have you done now? Oh, Brad, what have you done now? As they said in the film, Back to the Future, where are we going? We don't need roads. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Marty! You've got to come back with me! Where? Back to the future! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast. The only podcast looking back in time with the greatest film trilogy of all time. Back to the Future. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore. And, uh, you know, it's um, it's been a little weird. I'm not going to lie to everybody out there. It's been a little weird these last few days. Um, it feels a little bit like the alternate 1985. But I'm trying not to uh, freak out too much. Just taking this time to... You know, enjoy a little relaxation. Like I said, I've been on the road a lot, so it's it's nice to not be on the road. I had several events lined up that were all canceled due to the issues going on in the world right now. But we're not going to focus too much on that because everybody's been talking about it. You all know about it. The people around the world know about it. I'm here to talk about the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. You know, that's right. It's the greatest of all time. Hit, hit the air horn one time. Um, we still have a lot of great things happening for the Back to the Future 35th anniversary year. Obviously, things that are occurring in the world may have dampered our, our plans slightly. Um, I do have to say that there was unfortunate news coming out of the Back to the Future world that the Back to the Future musical that was showing over there in the UK at the Manchester Opera House has been closed due to, um... Due to the issues going on here, I'm going to pull up the statement of exactly what was said, and it goes as follows here. Um, we regret to announce that from this evening, the Manchester Opera House has closed in light of official government advice. Back to the Future, the musical performances are therefore suspended until further notice. Your box office slash retailer from whom you bought your tickets will be in contact with regards to refunds and exchanges Please bear with us in these unprecedented times. Back to the future of the musical. So, um, the the ten week run, I believe it was a twelve week run of Back to the Future of the Musical, is off right now, which sucks because a lot of people were enjoying it. There are a lot of rave reviews. I'm going to be talking to somebody here soon um, regarding Back to the Future of the Musical. Someone who's there at the premiere, and we're going to discuss everything that happened in the show. So at least you and I and the people who didn't get a chance to attend and aren't, aren't going to get a chance to attend for some time now, can at least have some solace in knowing kind of what, what, what was going on that day and what all occurred and what was happening. Because it, it just sucks, you know, so many things. Like, I, I work in the world of wrestling. WrestleMania 36 is going to be in front of no crowd. The movie trivia showdown, big event, the free-for-all, which I was going to be at this weekend, no longer happening. The reality wrestling pay-per-view event I was going to call, no longer happening. And we don't know when these things are going to come back. So we're going to talk about Back to the Future musical here pretty soon moving forward. But also, I still have something rather awesome coming out that you can still get worldwide. Because last time I checked, UPS, FedEx, USPS here in the States, everybody was shipping worldwide. Still, Amazon, you can order something and get it the next day. 
you know, all those all those retailers seem to still be in in order in those delivery services. And April fourteenth, guys, it's a big time. It's huge. I'm a hit. I'm about to hit the air air horn again because back from the future, a celebration of the great. Ah, it's back from the future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. The book will be out in stores. That's right. My book, my first book written about back to the future is called Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. I have a copy of it in my hand right now. And I got to be honest with you. It's a little bit surreal that I have a book out that I wrote. (laughs) So um, this is going to be going out to uh, one of you listeners today. I'm going to be sending out a, a, a first print, first edition, one of the first 50 copies in existence of Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told by Brad Gilmore. And I'm going to do a little reveal here. I'm going to tell you how you can get it. And I'm going to tell you something special about the book. To this point, I have not, and I repeat, I have not read through the table of contents. I have not published the table of contents. Nobody knows exactly what is going to be in this book except for me and the publisher. So I'm going to read it to you right now. This is the table of contents for Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. For some reason, I can't say the title of my own book. And I'm going to tell you what what each chapter is about and how the book is structured. So here's the table of contents. We start off with a prologue, which is how the past brought on the future. And what this is, guys, is I thought that for people who aren't like you pinheads out there, who might be picking this book up for the first time and saying, who the hell is Brad Gilmore? What the hell is Back to the Future of the podcast? Why is he writing a book? Why do I care? So the prologue is my journey and story with Back to the Future and how I became exposed to the trilogy, how I started the podcast, where the podcast has brought me, and why I'm writing a book. That's all it's about. So it's, it's a short, you know, about 10 pages perhaps, like 3,000 words of how the past brought on the future. Then, this is something really cool. I actually had this idea as I'm turning in the final manuscript for this book. I'm literally hitting my deadline last minute. I turned it in with a few hours to spare. And as I'm turning in the manuscript, I had this idea. I mean, it literally came to me out of nowhere. And I was looking at the table of contents and looking at the chapters, and I said, you know, this is pretty interesting. I could organize these in a certain way because I was looking at how they were organized chronologically. And they each chunk of the book felt like it had a different kind of unique approach to it. So I had the idea of what if I split this book up into three parts the same way the trilogy is split up into three parts. The Back to the Future story is split up into three parts. So I had that idea, and I ran it by the publisher and the editor, and they said, that's a great idea. Let's run with it. So literally with hours to spare before my deadline, I turned in my my book, and I separated into three parts. Part one, time circuit's on. Just hit the air horn. So, uh, time circuits on and chapter one is the history of hill valley so what this is guys is a lot of us hardcores again we know 
about Back to the Future. We know the backstory of Back to the Future. At least I'd like to think that if you're listening to this podcast, you have a pretty clear idea of how the movie came about, who wrote the movie, and and all of that. And if you've watched any of the Back to the Future extras, you know, behind the scenes, uh, if you read Cassine Gaines' book, if you read Back to the Future, The Ultimate Visual History, any of these books, you would know how um, the, the trilogy came to be. But I do have to think that some people are going to be picking this up that see it in a store or see it online and say, oh, I love Back to the Future. And they've, they've never really dove into it. And I feel like I would be irresponsible if I didn't give the backstory. So History of Hill Valley talks about how the idea came about for Back to the Future, how Bob met Bob and all that, and, and how they, when, when they got greenlit by the studio to produce it. This is Heavy talks about more of the production of the first film and getting it off the ground. And, you know, the issues with Sid Sheinberg and the <laughs> name of the movie and all the people who were thought about and considered for Doc and Marty, especially Doc. When you read some of these names that I found out through hard research that were considered for Dr. Emmett Brown, our professor Emmett Brown at the time, you're going to be like, wow, that could have been a wildly different movie. And I'm talking about big names and some real oddball names were considered for Doc. So definitely something you want to check out. Then chapter three is called Lightning Strikes Twice. And that's, of course, the t- talking about the production of the two sequels to the film. Then we go to part two, To Be Continued. This talks about how after the films came out, how Back to the Future continued to live on for decades, 35 years, or 30 years since the release of Back to the Future Part 3, which we're coming up on in May, I believe. May, yeah. In May, it'll be 30, 30 years since Back to the Future Part 3, so that's pretty exciting. Um, this is Chapter 4, Future Day. Talk about everything that went on in Future Day, including telling a personal story and anecdote about how I almost got the cops called on me on Future Day. True life story. True life story. It was Back to the Future related. You'll read about it in the book. Then chapter five, still probably, and I've said this, I think, in interviews, so if you've heard any of the interviews I've done on the book so far, chapter five is probably my favorite chapter in the book, and it's an expanded look at a episode we did here on the podcast called American Time Story, Old Man Biff, and chapter five is called American Time Story, Old Man Biff, and it delves into, with great detail, and answers to the question of why that scene in Back to the Future 2 where Biff was cut out, I mean, the scene where Biff, the scene was cut out where Biff, uh, old man Biff, returns to 2015 and he disappears after he steals the time machine, gives the almanac to his younger self in 1955, comes back to 2015 and disappears. It gives great context into that and what happened. It answers the question. I found out. I know. Why? Biff disappeared. So we talk about that in the book. Chapter 6, the Institute of Future Technology discusses the ride, Back to Future, the ride, how the ride came about, the original concept of the ride, and if you never wrote it like me, it walks you through what you experienced in Back to the Future, the ride. Chapter 7, Animating the Future, talks about the development process of Back to the Future, the animated series. And then we go to part 3, Back in Time. Chapter 8 is The Almanac, Doc's Designs. I 
have my own almanac in this book, just like Gray Sports. My almanac ranks the best designs of Doc, meaning the design of the DeLorean throughout all three movies. I rank the top five designs of the DeLorean. Yes, there's five time machines, I should say. The five designs of the time machine. So I do that in Doc's designs. I also break down Doc's best inventions. His top five best inventions in Back to the Future. And then chapter nine is called the Almanac Friends in Time, where I take the top ten side characters. So we 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 no no Doc, no Marty, no Jennifer, no Lorraine, no Biff, no George. But the other characters in this film, the top ten characters in Back to the Future, I rank them from ten all the way to one. Um, so yeah, again, no not none of the main four. No Marty, no Doc, no Lorraine, no George, no Biff. So I guess that's five. I'm I'm an idiot. <laughs> the top five. Why do you make like a tree and leave? Um, so I rank the top ten characters in Back to the Future. The, the friends in time, as I like to call them. And then finally, chapter 10 is the future of Hill Valley, where I expect to see the franchise go in the future. Will they ever make another film? And all the things that the Bobs are working on to continue the marvelous journey of Back to the Future. So what I'm doing right now is I'm grabbing a Sharpie. And I'm putting it on top of the book that I just read the, the contents, table of contents about. And I'm going to be giving it to one of you listening to this podcast right now. So all you got to do is real simple. You got to go over to iTunes, find Back to the Future the podcast, give it five stars, and tell me why you would like a copy of Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told before it's released. I will get it to you before it comes out to the general public. Tell me why, and tell me your favorite episode of Back to the Future the podcast. When you do that, I will look for them. If you want to tweet me your review, you can do that, at Brad Gilmore, so I can see it quicker. But I'll be checking the Apple and iTunes charts, our pages for the podcast, to see that review. So all you got to do, once again, go to Apple Podcasts, find Back to the Future of the Podcast, comment why you want an early copy of the book. Actually, scratch it. Just, just mention you listen to this episode of the podcast, and then tell me your favorite episode that we've had on this show. That's all I want to see. Your favorite episode of the show, and give it five stars, the show, give the show five stars, tell me your favorite episode of the podcast, you're automatically entered to win a copy of Back from the Future, Celebration of the Greatest Time Travel Story Ever Told, I will sign it to you, so make sure you leave your full name in there, or whatever you want me to sign it to, I will sign it to you, and mail it to you, before anyone else gets it in the world, now, this might have to be US only, sorry to all my UK people, a lot of people in Italy listen to this podcast, it's going to be US only, but I will get you a copy of the book. But what we're about to do here on the podcast is do something special. Back in season three, I had the opportunity to um, go to the De- DeLorean headquarters. It's actually located right outside of Houston, Texas. And what was really cool is when I was working on Back from the Future, I uh, had to do like a photo shoot to kind of promote the book. And I was talking to the publisher. I said, hey, you know, I can go down to the, to the DeLorean dealer and do like a quick little photo shoot or something. They said, that'd be great. So I called Sarah over there at DeLorean, and Stephen Wynn, who's the owner, and I said, hey, you know, I got this book coming out about Back to the Future. would love to come down and take some photos. They said, literally, no problem. You can come down. Went down, 
shot the pictures. Uh, they're included in the book. Big shout out to Sarah and to Stephen for allowing me, uh, Kevin and Jeremy, the the videographer and the photographer, to come down there and do this. It was really cool to go back to uh, the DeLorean headquarters, which I've been back at several times since my first visit. But what I realized I never did on this podcast is I gave you the full unedited tour, audio tour of the DeLorean warehouse and headquarters located in Houston, Texas, Humble, Texas to be exact. But I never played the polished product that I put on the YouTube channel, and I don't think a lot of you got to see it. So here is that. This is my tour and conversation with Stephen Wynn. Uh, the full edited version, music, effects and all. You're going to hear it in an audio experience for the first time ever here on Back to the Future, the podcast. Time circuits on. everybody, I am Brad Gilmore, and today is a historic day in the history of the world. I, for the very first time, am visiting the DeLorean Motor Company right here in Humble, Texas. Uh, this is going to be one of those things that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. We're going to get a full tour of the facility. We're going to talk to the owner, Stephen himself. The owner of DeLorean is talking to me, Brad Gilmore. It's out of this world. It's like I'm in a paradox or an alternate timeline. But we're going to have a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy. So what what was it like? What was it about the DeLorean? Obviously, like the first time I saw it, it was like the most incredible car I've ever seen, you know. But, but for you, what was it about the DeLorean that made you want to start getting into that? Was it an opportunity that came across, or it's it's both really? You know, obviously, I love cars. I'm a car guy. I'm, I'm a mechanic, you know. So uh, so I love everything about cars. But then when you've got something like this that's so unique, the stainless body, the gold wing doors. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, you know, it's a car lover's dream. And, and then to get to work with them and then and, and now, you know, uh, make some improvements, you know, <laughs> you know, that's great. And we actually thought, oh, great, you know, we'll be able to do continuation cars. Um, and then once we looked into it, that was not, not to be, uh, you know, until the law was recently changed. Small and large manufacturers were all treated the same. The exact law was just having to go through all the, the red tape, essentially, to like the safety tests and all this stuff. You said. So, so now the low volume production bill says that if you are a global manufacturer and you produce less than 5,000 cars annually, you are able to make 325 replicas of a car that was made 25 years or older and we don't have to confirm to the safety standards, but we do have to confirm to emission standards, which means we have to use a modern engine, which yeah. is okay with us, you know, because we need more power, so that's good. Um, but we wanted to, to retain the rest of the DNA, say, of a DeLorean. So, so by the law, that's what we have to do and what we want to do. The DeLorean. Gullwing doors rise effortlessly, beckoning you inside. 
beautifully crafted for long life. The DeLorean is one of the most awaited automobiles in automotive history. Drive the DeLorean. Live the dream today. So this is where you're doing all the restorations currently. Restorations and service and stuff like that. You know, these are all customers' cars that that, that are all having some sort of service performed on them. And you can see this plate, you know, Texas, Tennessee, Maryland. All over, know, all over all the all over the country. All over, you know, we get them shipped in all, all the time. Do you think this will still remain like the main focus of the business or would the main focus be producing newer cars and refurbished cars and trying to sell them on a, on, on, on a larger scale? We'll have to see, you know, um, I'd like it to be the main focus, but the customers will tell us whether it is yeah. or not. We're the only car company that you can go online and buy direct from the car company 24-7 wherever you are in the world. So. So these guys are busy all day pulling, pulling orders um, and, and packing them and shipping them out. Oh, and there then, we go. Look at there. So wow. That's a third of the doors that we have in this building, and that is 200 feet of doors. <laughs> wow. Wow. And are, these are all are these these are all original or are these all, all, are all original. wow? Now you plan on releasing what in in 2017? Twelve cars. Twelve cars in 2017, which are just about all sold. The 17s will be gone, and then we'll be working on the 18s then. And then f when we go into 18, if people really like what we're doing with the 12, then then it'd be our our desire to go and start producing 50 cars a year. So instead of one a month, it'll be one a week. First time ever sitting inside of a DeLorean. It happens to be a time machine. It happens to be a time machine. Oh, wow. Sean Connery got out of that Aston Martin for the first time, right? You're like, that's the coolest car in the world. Mm -hmm. But then when you see Marty McFly and Doc get out of the car, you're like, I don't know. I think they got to run for their money because the DeLorean well, has to know, be the coolest car I, ever I made. I think, you know, I, I'd probably say it's in the top five of movie cars, and it depends on your interest. You know, you've obviously got Aston Martin, you've got the Herbie, the Bug, mm -hmm. you've got the DeLorean, you've got the Knight Rider, you know, and then there's a few others, you know, that sort of, you know, that fall into that, you know, but I, I would say, you know, depending on where your thought process is on any given day, <laughs> the DeLorean could be number one or close to the top. It's got to it? be number one. You can't really take it anywhere without someone stopping you. And I have to ask, how fast do these cars go from zero to 88?